0: Welcome, listener, to the sixth episode of Presidents and Assholes. Hello, Melissa. Hello, Laura. And hello, listener. We have somewhat devastating news to share. I don't want to be overly dramatic, but... I think this is fair. We're upset today, right now, because we just finished recording a Chester A. Arthur podcast... It was wonderful. It was great. It was beautifully done. And we went to play it back, and Melissa's levels were unusably low. They were terrible. And, you know, we we do a sound check. We did a sound check, and we, we knew that they were low, but she had these headphones that were, like, blowing her ears out. So we were like, well, I'll keep an eye on it. And during the, you know, whole thing, I'm like, there's even a segment in there where it's like, Sorry, listener, but you got to talk louder, Melissa, and it just it was dumb of us to keep proceeding with faulty headphones cuz you just she's practically whispering and we we're, we're starting over is the idea here and it's tough for us because we love to have organic reactions, Melissa, and I never share information prior to recording.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think this is something every young podcaster faces. Needing to record having an episode deleted accidentally, things a, like that.
1: It's a rite of passage. And I do know, listener, I did take into the consideration that you probably listen to this for more hearing Lauren and the value she brings to the podcast. <laughs> so I was almost okay with just being removed mm-hmm. from it and it would just be Lauren talking to herself for that. But we're going to try it again. We're trying again.
0: And you know what? We're still going to try to have really genuine reactions. And I think we'll bring up, we've thought about things in the last half an hour from when we heard them the first time. Like, But just know we're still trying to give you a sense of what that original podcast was like. So forgive us.
1: Yeah. And you know what? There's always room for improvement. We can do better.
0: We can do better. And we're going to do better. Speaking of better, how are my levels? Your levels are better. They're great. They're looking fantastic. All yeah. Right. That's the most important. That is. Because it's important that the listener hears you and what you have to say. Because we have a lot of great things to say this episode.
1: Lauren, I needed that. That gives me enough confidence to move forward. Good. Good. I'm glad. And um, so let's,
0: let's start off, um, you know, for those of you who are listening for the first time, Melissa and I decided to do this podcast, Presidents and Assholes, because we are on a trivia team. We play on Tuesday nights and... Every week there's at least one, pre- one question about a president, and Melissa and I have no idea. We contribute virtually nothing in every other category that we thought. Well, Let's pick this category that we know comes up all the time, educate ourselves. And we thought we would educate the public along
1: with us. And we've actually seen fruits of our labor because last week there were two presidential questions that Lauren and I aced. Like, while team members were crying, throwing their hands up in the air, they're giving up, they're like, there's no way. We just pulled the sheet over towards us, set down our beers, and wrote the answers. And one of them was actually Chester A. Arthur, who is who we are talking about today. Yeah, we
0: were in the weeds of our research. And there it was, the fruits of our labor, like Melissa said, paid off. So we're excited, we're rejuvenated. This podcast is working, and we're thrilled, and we are so excited to share everything we've learned.
1: And as they say with memorizing, since this is our second time talking (laughs) through facts on Chester A. Arthur, Mm -hmm. embedded into the brain, Lauren. Embedded. We will know
0: this information forever.
1: Exactly. So um, just a bit more background with the title being Presidents and Assholes. It's based off of an old drinking game in college. Maybe you've played it. Maybe you haven't. Look it up. But we always have a libation while we're talking through the presidents. And today's drink is an old-fashioned. It's whiskey, bitters, sugar, and uh, Lauren made it. And and water. Oh, and water. water. Please water it down. (laughs) And uh, Lauren actually made it because our very... um, Hard to get a hold of bartender Evan is in Tucson, Arizona, but it is his birthday, so I will not say mean things, because it
0: let it slide. It's
1: important. Although you could say mean things,
0: because he doesn't listen to this podcast. Because he's told us regularly. (laughs) He's told us, and so speak freely, speak openly. (laughs) This this will never get back to
1: him. Exactly. I was meaner in the first recording of this podcast, but I've been humbled. Yeah. And so now, um, Evan is great. Happy birthday, Evan. Um, Happy birthday. I would cheers you, but. I'm um, not fucking here, so. <laughs> don't care.
0: Unlike our friend Chester, who is all around us today.
1: Chester is getting back at us from the grave of all the things we talked about him in our first recording. Uh, good for you, Chester. Good for you. So, um, with us drinking, I always started off with a cheers um, just to get the ground rolling. And the cheers I'm going to do today is to Chester A. Arthur Elementary School. The school might be familiar to you. It's a fictitious school located in Manhattan Island. And it was the location of a bomb ruse by a certain Simon Gruber. And it was to distract from his real agenda to steal 140 billion of gold bullion from the Federal Reserve Bank. And this is all harking back to that classic award-winning diehard with a vengeance. So so, cheers! Cheers to Chester A. Arthur Elementary School and Bruce Willis. All right. This is once again we've been drinking this for an entire podcast, and we're drinking more of it. Yep, it's still not my favorite.
0: I thought it was just gross, and Melissa's like, "Nope, this is what an old fashioned tastes like." <laughs>
1: It is, exactly. You did a good job of making a drink that only a few people like. It is not good. Um,
0: okay. So, here we are, enjoying this libation mm-hmm. for the 21st president. How fitting.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so, Chester A. Arthur, 21st president. Yes. And he was a fancy man. Chesty, Ooh. Chesty, Chester. Ooh,
1: is that what they called
0: him? Uh, no, they called him Elegant <laughs> Arthur. Of course they did, because he
1: had 80 pairs of pants. He had 80
0: pairs of pants, and he was just dressed to the nines. He was fancy
1: schmancy dude. And like Back in the day, these aren't just like pants you got from H&M, where like nowadays, yeah, maybe you own 80 pairs of $10 pants. Like you had to get them tailored. They were made from very nice cloth.
0: Yeah, they're specific to him. He's just this bougie guy, and it's corroborated in the fact that, okay, his name is Chester Allen Arthur. It's a pretty, like, I don't think common name, but like, like not fancy name, right? Where he's not like Evan, where Evan has this fancy last name, Bartholomew. You know, it's like really fancy. This is just like a regular kind of name. But because he was this fancy guy, he insisted that everyone. Pronounce his middle name Alan mm. and put emphasis on the second syllable. Yeah, it's kind of an annoying thing to do, but you, like similar to our friend Woodrow, right? He's yeah. not gonna be like I'm Chester Alan. you know? He's like I'm Chester Alan. Yeah, and
1: like his Chester, like that's not Chet. The Chet, like, he's, I think, is a little better, but he chose not to go by that. It just wasn't like a fancy name. No. It was and Also, nice. did you guys know we had a president named Chester? No, um, I did The only Chester I know is Chester the Cheetah. Do you know him? Wow. <laughs> on a name-to-name basis. Name-to-name.
0: Wow. Um, That's impressive. We didn't
1: capture that in the first episode. Yeah,
0: that's fresh material.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's already better. It's already <laughs> so much better.
1: Okay. Um, um, oh, no, please go ahead. I was thinking maybe I could sort of talk about where he came from before he became president. No, please, and I'll try to do this in a cohesive, well thought out fashion. Okay, let's hope so. I've got a shot at redemption, yeah, of telling you the story.
0: Didn't go well the first time, so let's 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 hear it, and maybe I'll have a better reaction because I'll understand it.
1: Okay, <laughs> the pressure. So, um, Chester A. Arthur, before he was president was vice president, and before he was vice president, he worked at the New York um, Customs Office for, uh, no? Good? you
0: got to be confident. Talk louder.
1: He He worked at the New York Customs Office for the New York Harbor, and how this harbor sort of worked is as people were bringing in their boats and there was a ton of trade going on, he was in charge of taxing them, making sure they were paying for all the items that they were bringing in. So, unfortunately, this was also the scene of a huge political machine where they put in like their friends, visualize like the mafia basically, where um, he would tax these people as they brought in goods, but he also, these officers were able to get more money if they found anything to be sketchy going on or if they had to like catch people for not paying the right amounts. So, there's this huge incentive to really call people out and be super stringent on them because they would make more money. So just think of him and his friends hanging out in this New York Harbor, and he was getting paid a stupid amount of money to be this dick. Um, $50,000. fifty grand. And once again, I know this podcast, we like to put it into like a frame of reference. So a, a normal, average Joe skilled worker, was making $500 I mean, a year. it's
0: astronomically
1: higher. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, um, just, so he's this rich guy screwing over people. You know who else was a rich guy who screwed over people?
0: Um, I think I might from the previous recording, but in an effort to have an organic reaction, no, who, Melissa? Um, never heard of Ebenezer Scrooge? I have heard of him.
1: And uh, so I tried this out last time, but I'm going to do it again, where I think Chester A. Arthur and Ebenezer Scrooge were very similar in sort of this, this story of the Christmas Carol and the shot at redemption from starting off not so great to having a moment of realization and then becoming a great guy. Fair? Totally fair. Okay. So we'll come back to Ebenezer Scrooge, but we're going to focus on Chester A. Arthur. So, he's working at this New York customs office, and he has all these friends who are also working in trade, taxing people up to no good. We're going to call them the political machine. The political machine.
0: Chester's buddies.
1: Buddy old pals. So, at the same time, there's politics going on, and they're about to have a new presidential election. There's two guys. Nobody likes them. So, there's a new group that's going to offer up another candidate, whose name was garfield all right yeah but since this is a third name that they're adding to the ballot they need to get backing behind this guy it's garfield he loves lasagna (laughs) so they reach out to this political machine to be like we want garfield to be elected will you give us your support and they're like yeah but we we want to pick who's the vice president if he wins and they're like, that's fair, that's fine, as long as you get people behind Garfield. I'm following, Lauren?
0: Um, yes, but also um, the use of pronouns you use they for both sides, which becomes a little confusing. Interesting. <laughs> so you're like, and
1: they're like, and they're like. Um, and so everybody is talking, there's lots of stuff. <laughs> All right, moral of the story is, though, that is basically how Chester Arthur became vice president, is he had his friends talking to another group of people, and they're like, put him in, and the group that was not his friends, I'm working on these programs, yep. the not friends group is like, okay, sure, whatever. So he becomes the vice president to Garfield, and Garfield wins the presidency. And this is like Scrooge, because... We're not there yet. Okay. Well, it's just, he's screwing people over, he's getting where he wants to in life, Um, but Garfield the President gets shot in the back. Cowards. (laughs) (laughs) And dies, as one normally did back in the day, from a gunshot. Medicine, not great. So, because Garfield dies, Arthur becomes President, and as you mentioned previously but the listener wouldn't know that arthur (laughs) had no vice president
0: yeah um yeah because arthur was the vice president and then he moved to president and they didn't that wasn't like a rule that you had to have a vice
1: and they didn't even put any effort into figuring it out like they didn't feel like dave from finance do you want to be (laughs) vice president like this position's open. There's room to grow and within the office. You want to step up? Dave was
0: really never much of a go-getter. <laughs> he
1: was like, now nah, I'm good here. So yeah, it was an entire presidency without a vice president. Without a little buddy. It's crazy. So.
0: So this is a six-minute story that you've now told. Um, so I'm feeling like, tell us
1: about Scrooge. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he's. As president, though, um, I'm going to introduce a new character to the story. All great. They? (laughs) No. Is it they? It's a woman, and this is the first time a woman's been brought up to date, so I feel like we can't get her confused. Her name is Julia Sands, and she was just this 32-year-old woman who's super sick and bedridden. And the only way she's even connected to this story is that she read the newspaper and really kept up with politics. And so she started writing letters to the now president, Chester A. Arthur, basically calling him out, telling him what she thought he should be doing. And he actually took these letters very seriously, had a change of heart, and actually went on to pass civil worker reform where, like, as I was saying at this custom office, how they were, like, overtaxing people and just being sketchy, he put an end to it. So his friends who normally were backing behind him he told him to stop doing what they're doing. I'm the president now. And so back to Ebenezer Scrooge, it's kind of like he is Scrooge, Julius Sands is the all the different ghosts that came to him. He had a moment of clarity, and then in the morning he went to Tiny Tim, <laughs> bought him the Christmas goose, and Tiny Tim lived a very good life, and God bless us everyone. The end. That was beautiful.
0: I would say it's equivalent. I didn't do it. Said- no
1: better. <laughs> I thought I really tightened it up.
0: It was longer the second
1: time. around. put more facts in
0: there. You yeah, had more facts, fewer pronouns. <laughs> um, but I get it, right? Like, what you're saying here is that it's a guy corrupt with power who then reforms due to his conscious, aka the ghosts, aka Julia Sands of time ghost of christmas Ooh. past
1: i love that lauren
0: wow that that's a new one listener that was unpacked right here right
1: now and live so, listener i know you've heard this I'm like well that's an okay story melissa trust me lauren's about to drop a story on you it's gonna make you. you're gonna have to stop the podcast you're gonna have to sit back and just think about this well, I want to get there organically. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought let's, I, was, I could set you up for it. Yeah, I, I I like that.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, we we could get into it, but let's let's pepper in a few kind of regular things. We just got off the heels of a nine minute story. Let's um let's just like chat a little about some things he did. He was a, he was a skilled fisherman.
1: Oh, that's
0: true. Yeah. yeah, he was really great at fishing. He once caught eighty pounds of bass off of the Rhode Island coast.
1: That's crazy.
0: Yeah, it's super crazy. It's a it's a ton of fish, like eighty pounds of anything.
1: Yeah, um, just to put that into context, he gained forty pounds just from drinking alcohol while oh, yeah. president. So double that, and that's how much fish he caught. He doubled his weight gain in
0: fishing. 50 pounds. That's crazy. Like that's really like I think that it, yes, he is definitely. A very good um, skilled fisherman. Something else about him that we brought up a little earlier in the original podcast is that um people really questioned
1: his citizenship. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I didn't even talk about why we were drinking old-fashioned this time. Yes, let's talk about it again. Oh gosh. So we're our normal bartender is Evan, it's his birthday, he's in Tucson. So we made the drinks and they were old fashions. And the reason why they're old-fashioned is we have this Canadian whiskey, velvet, help me
0: out. It's, yeah, um, Canadian black velvet whiskey. That's it's called. Yeah, and, um, the reason we chose Canadian whiskey is because, um, everyone thought that Arthur was actually from Canada. There was a huge debate about where he was from. People were like, he's not a naturalized citizen. He was born in Canada, but that's not true. He dispelled those rumors. He was actually born, um and lived 80 miles from the border. So it was very close to Canada, but yes, he was a naturalized U.S. citizen, grew up on this farm, 80 miles from the border. Um, Yeah, so, you know, he had a tough time coming into office. People, you know, there was that whole political story you spoke about. There's people saying he's not a naturalized citizen. Um, You know, he was fighting with the Polk supporters. They butt heads a lot. who is Polk anyway, though? Who cares? Yeah, right. <laughs> we all know that. Um, yeah, so and and that was the election of ni- of eighteen eighty. Okay, is what that is. So the presidency, he was president in eighteen eighty one. He was in the election of eighteen eighty as the vice president to Garfield. Um, Melissa, as we're talking about these things, and listener, I apologize because normally i know it's melissa's job to be the conspiracy theorist she's the best at it but there's something blaringly obvious to me in all of these facts is
1: there anything blaringly obvious to you melissa now there is but as we recorded (laughs) the first time i was so unaware of what lord was about to just drop on my plate it's insane
0: as you may remember which i hope we talked about when we talked about elegant arthur he owned 80 pairs of pants yeah He caught 80 pounds of bass off the Rhode Island coast. He was a part of the 1880 election, and he lived 80 miles from the U.S. border. I'm reading this, and I'm like, wow, this 80 pops up a lot. This comes up a lot. And it seems to me like Chester's trying to tell us something. Doesn't it seem like that to you? Yes. He's
1: speaking from the grave.
0: He's speaking from the grave. His whole life is dedicated to this number 80. It seems fairly intentional. Maybe not where he grew up, you know, but, but... owning 80 pairs of pants not stopping until you catch 80 pounds of fish like this seems intentional so I looked up the significance of the number 80 and what I found was obviously biblical right of course this is where a lot of significance lies is here in the Bible and there are only three words that were used 80 times in the Bible where are they they were Tell us. <laughs> this is a dramatic pause.
1: <laughs> I want to know.
0: They were the word apostle. Yes. Gospel. Yes. And knowledge. 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 Apostle. Gospel. K-A-G. And I thought, what could this stand for? What is he trying to tell us? He's he's lived his life in 80s, trying to lead us to this biblical significance of these three words. And Melissa, I think it's an acronym, K A G. K A G. For King Arthur's Grail. Boom!
1: Boom! It's he was just on, as good the second time.
0: He's on a quest for the Holy Grail. And there's tons of evidence to corroborate this. As I'm like, King Arthur's Grail, is this true? Is he actually someone on the quest for the Grail? And some of the things I found that really substantiate this quest is the fact that. there's a group of people who believe the Holy Grail to be a real thing. The cup drank from Jesus at the Last Supper. It held the blood of Christ as he was dying on the crucifix. A lot of people find this to be real. Others find this to be folklore that appeared in text for the first time in the 13th century. And there was a lot of text around this and a lot of controversy around this. And then it kind of disappears. It's really big in the 13th century and it goes away until the 19th century, resurfaces. So many people start talking about it. Um, Which is interesting because our friend Chester lived through the 19th century. Hmm. Right? So it might seem like a coincidence, right? Not really enough to substantiate. But then I looked at the other side, okay? There's, There's the side who thinks it's a legend, who thinks it's myth. But what about the people who actually believe this to be true? And there was... Actually, a group of people who found what they believed to be King Arthur's knights of the actual round table. And this piece was unearthed in a town in England, actually called Chester. No. Chester, England. Crazy, right? That seems like a coincidence because we've got Arthur, King Arthur. Chester. And Chester founded King. Chester, England. Chester, England.
1: Like, this This seems like these are clues that... I feel like Nicolas Cage right now. Yeah. National treasure. Get me a leather jacket. I will figure this out. Give me a map. Yeah, just give me the map. Show me where
0: Chester, England is. Let's get there. And so, what's fascinating is when Chester Arthur was dying, he had... He was diseased much like many people in the so 1800s. Guys, medical was <laughs> not the best. Not the best. Um, He has his house servants burn all of his documents. All of his treasure hunting documents. All of his treasure hunting. Why else would you have? I mean, you're the 21st president. People don't like you. You're this fancy man she guy like what do you have to hide and i think it's his documents his quest for the holy grail i agree
1: and that even goes back to the story i told earlier he had these friends his political machine what if they weren't just a political machine Lauren? what if they were the freemason society
0: yeah and you know what i mean the freemason society that would be like obvious but did you read that you know we said he was a really skilled fisherman he was
1: also in that like the salmon club, yeah. The Ristagoshi Salmon Club, yes, yes. Lauren, I went to their website just because I was trying to look for scandal, which you were able to cover. But I was, I was the door was shut on me before I even got to begin to research. Because on their history page, you have to have a name and password to even be- learn the history of the salmon club. If it's just a
0: club about fishing why would it be so protected
1: and that's exactly what i'm thinking i think this is the first step to finding the holy grail wow we have really unearthed something here and though we tried this earlier once again i think we should attempt to hack in i just need a username and password
0: yeah try try chet chet Alan, capital A N, because we know he liked Alan, Alan, pronounced. Got it. Okay, and I don't have a guess at the password. The password we, we
1: can... tried last time: Holy Grail eighty. Did we mm-hmm. try eighty Holy Grail?
0: What about? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I think Let's for because sometimes there has to be numbers. Right. Holy Grail, maybe like. An exclamation point, because sometimes you have to have, like, a... A
0: character? character Is it? there a character that looks like a grail? No. Maybe, mean, maybe the V? The V, okay. Oh, that's not a character. That's, that's, a that's character. still a letter. You know what? Yeah, do an exclamation mark. He was excited about it. Maybe the dollar sign.
1: Okay, dollar sign. Done. For all his fans. Okay. Submit. Would you like to say this password? Not now. No, we can't. Ugh. Once again, invalid username and password. Damn it. I'm not, well, I mean, I'm discouraged, but not yet. Um, I'll try yeah. a couple ones later today. Maybe
0: we could contact the guys at Catfish. They seem to be able to get onto a lot of websites and discover who people are a lot. So maybe, maybe they'd be interesting. interested in a partnership.
1: I still just think it's so bizarre that this Ristoshi Salmon Club is so hard to...
0: Yeah, it's we'll, because yeah. it's not a fucking salmon club. It is the the modern day Knights of the Round, Round table. table, yeah. And it's they are on the quest for the Grail. Chester, Alan Arthur, Alan Arthur. <laughs> he started this up again. It had disappeared throughout centuries. He resurfaces it. It's in text all over the place. He's he's. I think. Intentionally riling up all of those those political groups to distract from his, his true quest—not to be the president, but to find the Holy Grail.
1: I agree with that completely. And the fact, like, why was he working at the New York Harbor? Trade, people coming in and out, exchange of information, dirt, nose to the ground, whatever else. That yeah, he was all all of that jazz (laughs) all of it that's where you get information that's where you meet people who have encountered exactly And he just wanted to be vice president he just wanted to like hear what was going on in the office but then Garfield has to get shot shot, like an idiot like a (laughs) stupid so now he has to be president he's like this is gonna detract from my ultimate goal it's it's crazy so because he
0: doesn't want to put time into the presidency because he's like this is not my job he stirs up a whole bunch of shit so that people are distracted and he can get back to real business because he was going to rely on the fact that he was only the vice president and not the president but wow that's a that's a lot it's it's so good and it's just you know he did a great job i think at not hiding this but but doing his due diligence to cover up for it. And I'm just proud that our podcast has gotten to the point where we've unpacked these things, and we are surfacing it.
1: Yeah, like, uh, he was like Batman to the point where he was... I was really hoping you weren't going to do the Batman thing. (laughs) I (laughs) mean, And look, he was like Batman from the idea that he liked to stay up late and party and hang out with friends and drink a lot. He did, yeah. He he
0: did say he rarely went to bed before 2 a.m. Like, he he was a
1: party He was like Bruce Wayne, where he has this persona of being the president and being this fancy guy. But on the back end, he had an ultimate mission. And see, I worded that differently oh, this that's time. so much better than the way he said it before. Now he actually does sound
0: like Batman. Yeah. They both have their separate quests. Batman to make Gotham a safer place. Yeah. Arthur to unveil the Holy Grail, to actually be in possession of this magical item.
1: And I think you get everlasting life. At least that's right. Yeah. That's what yeah. I learned that in uh, uh,
0: Indiana Jones. Yes, the last crusade. Last crusade. Yeah. Oh. Or as I <laughs> called it as a child, the rats movie. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of rats in that movie, so as a kid, I just didn't know the name and was like. I liked that one, was my favorite Sean Connery. Sean, yes, yes, he was in that. (laughs) That was a good Sean Connery impression, if I can just nod to that for a second. I'll
1: take that. I'm proud Um, of you. Sort of, so talking about like conspiracy theories, Mm -hmm. one that was maybe a little bit more well known and well received at the time, people were, they weren't on to what you've uncovered. Oh, yeah. But they did sort of think that Chester Arthur might have been behind the assassination of Garfield. What? Why, though? Because we know that he wanted to be vice. Yeah, he just wanted vice president. He did not want to be president, according to us. Yes. (laughs) According to us. But the media at the time was just having a heyday, and, like, you can kind of understand when there's, like, a murder in a rich family and all the family members show up to the funeral, you're kind of like, hmm. yes. <laughs> What do you care? Yeah, but yeah. where so have you been? Yeah, seriously. Where? So it's like, when Garfield is murdered, Chester A. Arthur, now becoming president, and it didn't help that the man who killed Garfield was crazy, and after he shot Garfield he then says like well my best buddy Chester A. Arthur is like really gonna be cool with this and like he told me to do it so a tricky situation to be in. That
0: sucks because (laughs) that, that brings like Chester into this light that he just did not want to deal with like he's not he's not looking to be in the spotlight. He wants to work behind the scenes. He's Batman. You know, <laughs> this is his costume. This is his alter ego
1: persona. Um So that's so annoying oh, of yeah. that guy. And what's interesting is like he had an out. Like people were telling him like, do not take the presidency. You yeah. will look guilty if you take the presidency. Just walk away. And he didn't. He he's, he chose to be the president. Even while like, I have this quote from, so the man who shot Garfield's name was Gitto. Okay. Ghetto. Ghetto. Is mm-hmm. it French? Yes. French maybe? But, uh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. So his name is Ghetto, and he. Okay, so while he was being like interrogated, he actually said this to the one of the police officers that was interrogating him. He goes, "You stick to me." He counseled one detective. He Goes, Arthur, and all those men are my friends, and I'll have you made chief of police. What does that? I'm not. Okay. So who he, said he, that? So Gitto, the yeah. murderer. He says this to a chief of, or not the chief of police, but to a policeman, being like, "Hey, like you stick with me, you listen to me." He's like, "Arthur and all these men are my friends, and then you'll be chief of police if you like." Let me get off, basically. And did he? No, he oh, okay. was hung because he, yeah. he was insane. Jeez, that's um, brutal. But I'm just saying, <laughs> it's hard for Chester Arthur. Right. I mean, he did shoot a guy. There's this crazy guy who's being like, this guy's my best friend. I'm, like, I no- talk to him. He knows what's going on.
0: You know what I think is great, though? I think that Chester recovered from that well by, being, you know, everyone's like, don't be the president. Everyone will think you're guilty. He does it anyway. Mm-hmm. In fact, fun fact, because he did so, he was the only president to be sworn in twice because he was sworn in right when um, Garfield died just after midnight and then he was sworn in again like in front of everyone because everyone's like we don't believe you (laughs) you have to do this in public which is fair um but so then he's he's taking this presidency he's kind of in the hot seat we know he likes to sit back and so he distracts everyone by auctioning off everything in the white house every (laughs) last freaking
1: item like artifacts yes like Things, like, that John Adams had had in the White House. He just like, nope. Nope. Get it out. For sale. <laughs> like, and I think a lot of people were probably pissed off about that.
0: Namely, one of his best friends, Robert Todd Lincoln. <laughs> he's, like, selling his dad's, like, priceless White House art. Like, it should be in the White House. Or, like, give it to Rob. Like, <laughs> give it to him. And he's like, uh, nope. Um, you can buy it. At the auction. If you show up Wednesday at 3 p.m., maybe you could, like, bid on it. So it kind of takes the heat off of we're going to be watching you closely as the president and goes, like, be distracted. Everything's for sale. And then you can go back to this quest for the Holy Grail. Sale, so, sale,
1: so, so. Yeah, and actually, so I guess he, he had this auction, and the money that was raised from it, which is close to around, I guess it's $2 million in current U.S. dollars, he used that to redecorate the entire White House. That's so much money. Yeah. And the thing like, is... a ridiculous amount of money. I don't want to get to, like, gender norms, but normally, like, the White House, how it looks or how it's taken care of, falls on the First Lady. Well, Chester Arthur didn't have a First Lady because his wife had died. Yeah, she
0: died, which is super sad. You know what's what's nice of him, though? He, he honored her by placing flowers in front of her picture every day at the White House. Which is Did nice. Did he
1: pay for them? Probably not. Do you know where else you put flowers in front of someone? Where? North Korea. Oh, <laughs> Melissa. i do you I don't know. I really don't know what I'm saying with that. What? No, it's just it's <laughs> such a tangent. But I didn't follow that one. They have um, to put flowers every day in front of the statue of their dictator. <laughs>
0: Okay, so you're saying maybe in life she was kind of an Edith, more of his dictator... I think she was actually very sweet. ...vice president. So he didn't have a vice president, or did, did he? he? Don't you
1: have a little... a little? Oh my gosh, thank you. You're welcome. I got so nervous. <laughs> I was like, di- she's looking at me. She's I think I'm me. supposed to talk now.
0: I don't know. He didn't have his wife to be his Edith, to be his vice.
1: And he did have our stars up, but he did have, who I alluded to earlier, a certain Jiminy Cricket person in his ear, sending him a little pen, pal. The Sands of Time. And Julia Sands. Julia Sands. And so as I talked earlier, she was sending him these letters and just being like, do better. You're not as great as you think you are. And really quick before I get... We're gonna like go through quite a few burns. Yeah. yeah. Um, And I usually have a segment where I talk about like a presidential burn that was said. Um, One that I have starting off oh my gosh, I think I got rid of my notes. Basically, people were asking him about why he partied so much or why he was drinking so much. And Chester A. Arthur said back to the media, like, whatever you're saying, like, I don't care what I do in my private life. Like, is mine. If I'm I'm the president, whatever it is.
0: I think he used the word damn yeah. somewhere in there, which made it really aggressive. He's like, it's my own damn business. It's just, it's, yeah. He's like,
1: yeah. Yeah. I may be the president of the United States, but what I do in my private life is my own damn business.
0: Which is so defensive that it makes like it's like what are you hiding like that's like shockingly defensive for what the question is and so I think it's yes he's defensive over the drinking he's defensive over his secret quest
1: exactly and he was also responding to the media as being pretty pretty vicious to him especially when he stepped in as president I have a quote from the New York Times at the time that said Arthur is about the last man who would be considered eligible for the presidency. That's so good. The last man. Like, Dave from finance would make a better president. Yeah, and Dave's not even willing to step up as vice. <laughs> so, it's like,
0: yikes. That's a burn.
1: And there is even another... Oh my gosh, did I delete this one? I might have. Oh, well. Basically... Oh, here it is. Another journalist said, No man ever entered the presidency so profoundly and wildly distrusted as... Chester Alan Arthur. But he follows up with, um, but no one has ever retired more generally respected, alike political friend and foe. Which is kind of a backhanded compliment, you know?
0: It's like, wow, you did such a good job coming from everyone who fing hated you, but like, good job, you're doing great. <laughs> it's
1: really sassy. But, uh, you know who's. The queen of backhanded compliments? Who's this? Freaking Julia Sands. <laughs> I have some quotes from letters she sent him that will just tear you apart. Oh, God. This first one she said is, and these are all in letters that she sent him. She goes, Do you feel flattered how awfully surprised people are whenever you do anything good? And, and finish that quote. It follows up with, will go on surprising them. But I am never surprised because I expect it from you. If you had done otherwise, I should have been dismally disappointed. And I hate
0: this listener. And you can obviously tell that we've talked about this before. And what I hate about this so much, what I find so offensive, is how manipulative that is. I mean, it's just this whole, like, with the example we used before, you know, Melissa and I work together. And, like, can you imagine, Melissa, if I came up to it at work and I was like, everyone thinks you did so bad in that client or everyone's so surprised how good you did in that client presentation is that offensive to me I knew that you were gonna do good like I obviously think you're great but everyone else really was shocked like that's so mean and just like it's she's clearly trying to make him think that she is his number one supporter but secretly, she is just using this so that he trusts her, likes her the best, and she can
1: have him do whatever she wants. Exactly. She gave him a ton of advice on like legislation and bills to pass. Like, I had this part from a letter she sent to him congratulating him on a veto he had just done. She goes, How can I tell you how delighted I am at your veto of the Harvard Bill? Ah, if you only realized what a thrill of enthusiasm you awaken every time you show the people plainly that you have the good of the whole country at heart. I don't quite follow that one. Basically, she's like, I'm so glad you vetoed this bill that I told you earlier to veto. <laughs> like, you totally have everyone's best interests at heart. So,
0: again, she's letting him know that she knows what the general public thinks of him and that when he does what she says, everyone likes him. Should he do the contrary, everyone will hate him.
1: Exactly.
0: That's that's gutless. I don't like it.
1: Yeah, and she, like, brings it home by telling him, remember, you're the president of the United States, and you work only for the good of the country. And bear in mind that, in a free country, the only bulwark of power worth trusting is the affection of the people. So she's basically like, here's what you should do, and if you want people to like you, you should listen to me, because that's all you want. Like, people liking you is the best thing, and I will tell you how to do that. That is so...
0: I hate it. It's so terrible, and I just, it's crazy that he was taking all of this advice from...
1: To be fair, though, think, well, think about it this way. He was coming from friends where they were political hacks, basically. And no his, the president gets shot. Like, there's all this negativity around him. And it just took this one woman to write him letters, that he changed his tune, and he started, like, being more active as a president. So, yes... She was manipulative, but it got him ultimately Before to a good be, cause. good like, cause. He did better. He became a better person.
0: I don't like it. Let him be terrible.
1: As long as he is organically
0: terrible. Yeah. Be who you are, Chet. And that's a fancy, terrible, grail-seeking
1: guy. Oh my gosh. He, one terrible thing that he did do is he approved the uh, Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882. Um, and I, I kind of hearkened this back to modern day politics. So, the Chinese Exclusion Act, there was a lot of Chinese immigrants coming into the United States to help build the railroad at the time. And guess what? That job wasn't specifically wanted by a lot of people because it involved like putting dynamite in the side of a mountain and like getting off the mountain before it exploded. <laughs> right. So, not a ton of people no, excited to great do great that. Great
0: job. Probably not a lot of upward like mobility at that company either. No.
1: <laughs> if you didn't get off the mountain you'd be uh, <laughs> upwardly mobile. Oh Melissa. <laughs> Good Lord. But um so there's this whole like something that we like in today even experiences this hatred of immigrants taking jobs. And so there was this act that literally was gonna put a stop to all immigrants coming in from China. But, so the first act, or er, com- the bill comes up, and our friend Julia is like, don't approve it, veto it. And Chester's like, I hear ya, vetoed, you are my rock, um, the bill is vetoed. But then they rewrite it, and they make it a little less, like, strict, and he approves it. Something, again, that we're sort of experiencing currently in politics, a certain bill comes up, it's insane, gets vetoed, and now there's another version of it coming up, um... And
0: we'll see how that goes. Yeah, that, so agreed that that is terrible. Um, Another terrible thing that I hate to inform you of is we are at time. (gasps) We made it. For the second time, we are at time. And hopefully for the last time, we are at time. And you know what that means, Melissa? It's time to pull out the wheel. Yes. I suggest you take off your headphones while okay. you pull up the wheel, because they'll get unplugged, and it's just tough to do. Perfect. Um, but if you want to let me know when you're giving
1: it a spin, yeah. And I've got it, and I'm gonna spin. Here it goes. Here it Thank goes. What's what gonna be? We'll, we'll go with this one instead of the one we rolled last time. Okay. Okay. We'll go well, with this president instead so of okay. the other one. Uh, and, 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 oh. oh. Oh, nice it looks
0: like we're gonna do jimmy carter fun oh my gosh so exciting yeah oh oh. we've got that music playing yet sorry about that um yay jimmy carter that's gonna be fun that's my mom's favorite president and
1: uh she won't come in because she doesn't listen to the podcast
0: she does not listen and she's pretty open about that and that's okay not for everyone
1: but um we it, what is exciting though is Tin Whiskers Brewery is going to be sponsoring this episode. They are oh so my god! So we're going to have some good beer. I love Tin Whiskers. I know it's, it's going, going to be delicious.
0: We wanted to rely on Evan's shitty drinks. Yeah, Evan. Will we still let him come?
1: Well, if, he wants to? if
0: we have enough for him, then yes.
1: Okay, perfect. And uh, I'm so sorry, Lauren. Real quick,
0: yeah. last words of Chester. <gasps> last Griffin. words should be the last words of this podcast we'll too. Go with that. Um, so the last words of Chester were actually unknown. They're not recorded, which once again, listener, I think you're thinking the same thing we are, which is he definitely had last words. They were absolutely about the Holy Grail and the Salmon Club has burned them and locked them away. Um, Never to be seen again. Um, there is a rumour that the that the last words that he said were life is not worth living.
1: That's really dark.
0: It's dark, but I think believable if he didn't find the Holy Grail, right? He was looking for eternal life, didn't find it, and he's like, I'm never going to, so why bother? It's just not worth it anymore. Um, but we don't know that for sure. It was yeah. probably like Czech Chester, England. I've hid the table there, like you know. <laughs> um Well,
1: Though he said life was not worth living, Lauren, I'm glad we got to relive this podcast a second time.
0: (laughs) Me too. It was great. There were some really good things that we peppered in. There were some really bad things we left out. And I think that pretty much sums it up.
1: Yeah, so So. let's cheers and God bless America and hope this is the last time. (laughs) Cheers, God bless bless America.
0: America.